And sure enough, the woman comes back an hour later, like, I can't stop thinking about this piece. I need this piece. He told her, okay, well, even cooler, this is what it's made from. This is where we made it. This is what Revel is about. And she's like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. She asked Patricia to autograph the back of the card. And I turned around and Trisha was like on the ground, literally crying. That's Amy Peterson. And this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Cara Duffy, a business coach and entrepreneur on a mission to help you live your most extraordinary life by showing you anything is possible. People who have mastered freedom, ease, and success, who are living their best and most ridiculous lives, and who are changing the world are often people you've never heard of until now. I'm saying this now, and I will say it again. You can change the world with your business. And if change your world sounds too big and dramatic, then you can change your community with your business. Today's guest, Amy Peterson, is proof that that can happen. She's the founder of Rebel Nell, a jewelry company that provides employment and creative opportunities for women with barriers to employment. Think living in a shelter, coming out of jail, working hard to get their life back on track. Amy never expected to have a career in jewelry, be an entrepreneur, or even be a social entrepreneur. So get excited to listen to her story and be inspired. I love having this podcast because I get to meet and talk to women like you who are doing incredible things. Before we dive into what you're doing, let's just tell everyone listening who you are, where you are, and what you're up to in the world. My name is Amy Peterson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Rebel Nell. Uh, Rebel Nell is a social enterprise based in the heart of Detroit. We exist to provide employment, equitable opportunity, and wraparound support for women, primarily women with barriers to employment. And we make really unique, one-of-a-kind jewelry and accessories out of repurposed materials, such as falling graffiti. Um, Yeah, we've been around since 2013. Very cool. So there's so much in that to unpack. First, before you started this company, were you already in the jewelry and accessories space as a career? I couldn't be farther away from where I thought I would be in life. I'm, I'm, I'm not even in like <clears throat> the same book. Um, <laughs> I, I started out, I wanted to be the first female general manager of a major league baseball team and awesome. pretty much starting. I know I, it's, uh, but pretty much starting out at the age of 14, that was, that was really my ambition. I, I loved baseball. It was a really happy memory for me with my dad and my grandpa and was very close with my grandpa. And, um, I, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I know, no girl had done it. A woman has done it since and congratulations mm-hmm. to Kim Ng. She did it last year and it was amazing. Um, but at the time, no one had done it, and I, uh, I set out to do that. I went to uh, college, I went to law school, went to business school, constantly interning, applied to work for free for any team that would take me, um, and ultimately, that's what brought me to Detroit. And I worked for the Tigers for 11 years um, and made my way to being an associate counsel for them. Uh, despite how grateful I am. I, and I, I truly am for the experience and 
for giving me the opportunity to come to Detroit. There were a lot of challenges being a woman in the industry, particularly with my ambitions to cross over to the no girls allowed side of baseball. That's what I had always lovingly referred to it as. Um, so no, I making jewelry isn't wasn't even on. I, it wasn't even on the horizon. Nowhere near. Mm-hmm. Let alone being an entrepreneur. So what baseball team did you grow up rooting for? I grew up a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates. In the 90s was a good, that was a good time for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hasn't been one since, but um, I I grew up outside Buffalo, New York in a town called Jamestown, New York. And we were pretty, like, centrally located between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh was... Uh, my grandpa's favorite team, so that's how it works. I, exactly. I, I just think it's so interesting. So, you know, I was I was a college athlete, and I think that sports are so under discussed in creating female leaders and and the impact it has. Um, I feel really lucky that I grew grew up being told. I could do anything, even if I didn't see people doing it. Was that, did you have a similar experience of like, you can do it, even though there's no one doing it like you yet? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was just talking to my sister about this the other night too. I, I think sports is, is really important to just development as, as a human. It teaches you so much at an early age. You know, I've, I'm not a fan of the everybody wins sports. I actually think it's, yeah been more damaging than helpful. I understand the intention behind it, but I think the lasting impact of it has caused more damage than good. Um, because I think, well, that's not how life works. No. You know, somebody loses and somebody wins. You've got to fall down and you got to get back up. You've got to, you know, have a hard day and go back out and compete again. Um, and it, you know, it teaches you to work with a team. And, and I did a lot of individual sports, but even still, like, there's a camaraderie there. Um, so I, I, I do think it's, and, and I'm not saying everybody needs to play sports in any stretch of the imagination, but there's something really impactful about sports that you learn at a really early age that can carry you through life. Like, I was a figure skater, and that was, there's nothing more humbling than, you know, training for a year to go compete in a major competition and you fall down in a crowd of a thousand people. Yeah, you got to get back up and down. put a smile on your face. Exactly. <laughs> and continue on. Um, that's, that's to me how life is. Well, and I also think when you don't have the opportunity to lose or fall down, it's really hard to figure out where you belong. Like if everything's totally. soft, you don't know if this is for you or not for you. Like it's, it's we we kind of need the the clear black and white contrast to really know. Oh, like I don't like this. Maybe I'm good over here. Like there is a place for everybody, and you can do more than one thing. But if everything was easy and worked, it would be. I can't even imagine <laughs> what that would be like in life. You wouldn't appreciate it as much. No, that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, yeah. we always say, "Gosh, I wish life was easier," but. It is this way for a reason. Yeah. And, you know, I have clients or people come to me and say, how can I be more confident? And I'm like, go do something that scares you. 
Mm, and nobody likes that answer <laughs> because we we get sucked, we get lulled into this, you know, not wanting wanting to say comfortable space, but maybe I'm a psychopath, but I really much more enjoy being uncomfortable and and having to figure it out and having to problem solve and like who wants to get dirty and in this hole with me and like let's go right right i know I, and maybe it is a sickness <laughs> maybe you next can go figure it out together but i appreciate that like i i, I love solving problems i love yeah it, it, there's there's something rewarding about it and and just like taking control of the situation mm-hmm. and um seeing what can come from it um I like that. I really like that, though, that you challenge people to go do something that makes them incredibly uncomfortable. That's a great response. Thank you. And it it ties in, I think, uh, the kind of quote I've been talking about this week in my Thrive membership is a quote I pulled from a book that says, um, your bravery is someone else's breakthrough. And I think that actually circles right back to what you've created. Because you know, and I'd love to hear this story now. Like, how did you go from baseball to Rebel Nell? Because obviously it wasn't a space you had experience in and you did it anyway. And because you did it anyway, you've created this ripple effect that I don't, I mean, did you ever think that this would be the impact you would be making? No, like all of the above is a no, because I never expected this. This is like, I mean, I, I sometimes wake up and I'm like, how fuck did I get here? Like, this is so, <laughs> so great. But I mean, so much of it was my journey and I have a lot to thank because of the challenges I faced being a woman in the sports. And, oh my gosh. I mean, I could do a whole podcast about that, about, you know, what was said to me, the, oh, it, it would blow your mind that you would think I'd be talking about an experience that I had in the 1940s. And this was just 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys tell me my best bet was to marry a player. Um, I, I, I would have fans come up and just, be, I would be in a suit and I just had a badge and I would have fans come up and say, uh, you must have slept your way to the top. I'm just, just walking the what? ballpark. Like, oh my God, you wouldn't, those are just like, I mean, a few examples of um, some of the, the challenges and, and then just internally, it was really hard. Uh, there were lots of times that I was just getting passed over for someone fresh out of college. And here I had all this degrees. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, I at the time was living next to a well-known shelter in Detroit called POTS that serviced women and um, families. And I would come home from the games and I would walk the dog and I would get to know these women, incredible women. And they just became my friends and people I would chat with. And, you know, I got to learn their stories about how they left difficult situations and search a better opportunity not only for themselves but for their family members and mm-hmm. i was inspired by this and so i think in parallel of what was just happening i didn't know it at the time but out of my mm-hmm. frustration of being a woman in sports and not feeling empowered i was like what if you know screw the man what if i could just create a company that's solely dedicated to empower women what would that look like mm-hmm. and it was just going to be a passion project it really was it wasn't um you also have to put perspective too. I was living right downtown Detroit in 2011, 2012, 2013. We were in the midst of the biggest bankruptcy, mm-hmm. municipal bankruptcy um, the country's ever seen. And you, know, you could 
visibly see the resources going away and stuff that would come on a regular basis, even to the shelter when it just was no longer. And um, so I, that that was sort of the, the rationale and of starting it. And then we had to come up with something to support it. So mm-hmm. uh, long story short, it was just a common denominator was making jewelry. My business partner had one class. I had like made jewelry when I was in law school to pay for books, self-taught, like by no means are we jewelers. I want to stress that <laughs> hardcore. Like we're not, it's, it would be offensive to actual jewelry makers, but it was just something that we could sell. We could train the women on and it would provide the wraparound support. I, I love the concept of this holistic idea. I'd never heard of a social enterprise, but that was, that was how it started. I mean, it was just put one foot in front of the other. I don't, we like to think that we've hired 34 people out of the shelter now is, is pretty amazing. I'm very proud of that. But did I ever think I'd get to where we are now? I, I don't know. I don't know if I did. What was the turning point when you realized, oh, wait, this is actually a business? Um, so we had, we did a, a very small pitch competition, which was incredibly helpful because my business partner, we had spent all of our money. Um, just like for, like trying things out, but we won eighteen hundred dollars at a pitch competition, which was such a cool. It's called Soup, uh, Detroit Soup, and you pay five dollars, and it's you get a soup, a salad, and a vote. Your participant, and they pick four community organizations. And what I love is they remove technology from it, so you can't have a present pre- uh, presentation. You can't do a big fancy mm-hmm. thing. It's just your passion, and you get four minutes. And then everyone breaks bread and they decide it's a very democratic process. And we won by a, a, a pretty good margin. And for us, yes, the $1,800 and like in cash that you're carrying around in a brown bag <laughs> was wonderful. <laughs> but it was more like the validation from our neighbors, from our community that were like, we, this is cool. And, and again, mind you, we never heard of a social enterprise. I had no idea what we were doing. Um, just like the concept of it. and. So that was like the turning point is having the community believe in us. Second was then we made, we turned the $1,800 and we made a bunch of jewelry, sold it at our first art fair. And um, it was great. Like we sold out, but primarily the first one where I knew that the impact of what we were doing, we had um, a pop-up. It was very cold. Like we, I think we paid $20 for the booth because, we couldn't afford like prime time. You know, we were right by the exit door. You could feel the wind coming in. It was like negative 10 in Detroit. And it was like basically by the coat closet. And um, our, our team members, they're encouraged to learn how to sell the product. I firmly believe you can sell your product. You can sell, you can pitch yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of our ladies was there and she had her kids with her, which is pretty common. Um, Childcare is forever a challenge for us, but we're a very supportive and loving workplace. Um, and she, it was one of our first times selling to the public. And I'll never forget that a woman came up and she's like, oh, that is so cool. Knew nothing about our company, just loved the piece. And mind you, it's all made from fallen graffiti. So they're really cool and got psychedelic look to them. And, uh, it was, it was one of, it was the most expensive piece we had. It's really big. It was like $200. And 
And we didn't get an opportunity to tell her the story. She just said, okay, well, I'm going to think about it and I'll be back. And I remember turning to uh, Trish, who was working with me and saying, hey, this is retail. People constantly say they're going to come back and we never see them again. So let's just like set the tone there. I don't want you to be heartbroken because she had made that piece. And sure enough, the woman comes back an hour later, like literally sweating. And she didn't have any clothes. <laughs> She's like, I can't stop thinking about this piece. I need this piece. And uh, we, we told her, okay, well, even cooler. This is what it's made from. This is where we made it. This is what Revel is about. And she's like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. She asked Patricia to autograph the back of the card. Got a picture with her. And then, um, you know, she left without a jacket, which is like so ingrained in my mind because she was just so excited about the piece and it was so cold. And I turned around and Trisha was like on the ground, literally crying. And her kids were there, you know, consoling her. And, and I was like, are you okay? She's like, I made that piece, Amy. That was me. I made it. And I was like, you did. And look how much that woman loved it. Like, she's believing in you just like we are. And that was my aha moment. Trish was like, well, I got to get back to the shop. I got to make a lot more pieces. And I said, Sunday, you're good. Like, <laughs> you can have more time. But for me, that was, that, that was so early on. And it it really shed a light on a lot of things that we were doing that we were just doing primarily from gut and primarily from talking to our community, but to, to see it was very impactful for me. To give people perspective, what is the realities or what are the realities of women, especially single mothers who have to go through these shelters and have to make these hard choices? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I, I always say this, like, I knew the system was broken, but I had no idea how broken it is until I started Rebel Now. And also, like, recognizing every privilege in the world that I have been given is, it's so dramatic. I mean, I, it's its just crazy how um, these women who are many times stuck in challenging situations just based on just based on situation. Like uh, that's the other thing too, that was very clarifying is like, there's also very little difference between me and the women other than maybe, maybe one choice in life yeah. or maybe not even that. Maybe it was just, I had a support network around me my whole life. Mm -hmm. And if they, and if you don't have that one little tiny setback, you can fall so far. Yeah. And we've had, and it's kind of been all over, um, you know, just to, to pinpoint some, some have just, you know, lost their house as a result of fire. Um, and that was enough to, to keep them stuck in the system and not be able to rebuild because maybe they didn't have insurance, couldn't afford it, whatever the case may be. Um, some have left really abusive relationships and to do that is so challenging. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think I even understood because it's so easy as an outsider to be like, well, why don't you just leave? You know, and it's so, it, it's not as simple as that. It's really not. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even, so that's how brave they are. They do leave even knowing the best alternative is going to a shelter. Like, do you get any braver than that? Nope. Um, we've had other women that have, uh, been previously incarcerated 
uh, refugees, um, people who had to flee their country because of their sexual orientation. So it's it's really kind of across the board. Uh, we've seen a bunch of different challenges, and I think that's where we do a great job is we meet people where they are and start the process of building. We started you know the conversation earlier about confidence building. I think really at the core of what we do. I mean, there's all these other things that are tangible. The intangibles to me are more important. They're hard to report yeah. on. You don't have KPIs around how did you build someone's confidence. Um, but that's where I think it really happens. Because, and, and then I also say this too, is yes, the impact we're having on the, the women and people that we're serving right now is tremendously helpful for sure. But the real impact isn't going to be seen until it's actually the generation that's not born yet. Mm-hmm. That's where it's going to come. Well, my head went immediately to, we can measure that. We need to do surveys. <laughs> You know, Good idea. And it'd be so great to like see their before and afters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see uh, it. We see it with our kids. We see like in, you know, just even like when they make a piece. And I love that about, and to, well, full transparency, we didn't realize how important the jewelry was to the transformation of them mm-hmm. um, when we started the company. For us, it was like, this is actually before the whole sustainability wave, like all of this stuff, we, we didn't, I picked up this piece of graffiti because I thought it was cool. I didn't honestly think about, like, oh, this is picking up because we're uh, reclaiming something that would, you know, that's like really thinking about the, the triple bottom line business. I, I didn't. Turns out we have one, but I really, that wasn't where my head was at at all. Um, it was the idea of turning this cool chunk of graffiti and telling the story, the history of the piece because in my mind, this was something that was discarded. At the time, Detroit was being so discarded in the media, everywhere. Mm-hmm. The women we were working with are just discarded by society in general. But if you take this piece that's discarded and you give it a lot of love and you give that piece the ability to shine and show its colors and be vibrant, how beautiful it looks. And then when you give like the women the opportunity to create whatever speaks to them, I mean, that's that's the coolest thing to see personalities come through the pieces is my, that's my favorite part of the job. My favorite part. It doesn't surprise me that so many women are starting triple bottom line businesses. And you know, like, I'd love to hear your perspective on that, but for anyone who doesn't know a triple bottom line business is profit people and a social cause. You sometimes the environment, sometimes something else. Um, and the fact that, it's a lie that we can't change the world <laughs> through commerce, right? It is a complete lie. Um, I even switched from coaching nonprofits to coaching for profits because I honestly think we can make a bigger impact with a for profit business than a nonprofit. It's just how do we set it up? Like there's almost like this, um, it's, it's, People think it's easier to ask for donations. It's actually 10 times harder. It's way harder. Mm-hmm. And I also just love the ability, the, the idea of sustainability as a business. I think mm-hmm. for me, and, and, we, and we, we did form a nonprofit to help with our um, supportive resources, but from a social mm-hmm. enterprise perspective, from what we're doing, 
I also appreciate the value of being a sustainable business that we're like, I'm also trying to encourage and teach the women that we work with that like hard work, determination, you can break through, right? You can. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wanted to show that as a business, we could do the same where we're putting our people, we're hustling for them. We're hustling for our product, but we can be profitable. Yeah. So I still have, a, I, I have a, <laughs> we'll get there. We're not there yet, but um, I, I truly believe it. And I kind of have a chip on my shoulder that I really want to prove you can do this. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you, it's, I, I get, I mean, I am so motivated by people saying you can't. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, I know. <laughs> what is that? We really need to hang out more. They're the same yeah. way. <laughs> same no, way. I um, I, yeah, I, rem- I remember when I um, worked at a company and they made me do the whole presentation and in the interview process. And I did the presentation like you're hired. Your presentation was great, but please know most of what's in that presentation, you won't be able to achieve here. And I was like, oh, you just told the wrong person that I literally spent my career at that company just checking those things off the list and not in a showy way, not in a loud way, just slowly but surely being like, oh, that's done. That's done. And I wasn't telling anyone else at the company it was done. It was totally for me. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, telling, and I don't, I don't know if it is, I don't think it's a gender specific thing, though I do have a, a lot of women in my circle who are like, oh, really? Thank yeah. you for giving me the fire that I needed because exactly. you said I could. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's, that's a good thing. And maybe that does go stem back to our like competitiveness. Maybe it does come from sports or who knows where yeah, you want to win. You want to, you want to show people that you can. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's awesome. I, I always say that like all the rejection letters that I got when I was first applying to work in sports and I have a box and, or like the, the comments people made that just would light a fire under my ass. Like nobody's mm-hmm. I just wanted to prove them wrong. Yeah. So um, hopefully there's like a healthy balance to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's honestly a good segue into the, what I ask a lot of our guests, which is when you see the words powerful and ladies separately, what do they mean to you? And does their definition change when they're combined? You know, powerful to me really is like tenacity and confidence. That to me is powerful. Um, I see a lot of people who think they're powerful, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because they have a certain status or a certain title. Uh, but to me, powerful is really like, I just, I think persistence. Yeah. The ability to push forward. Like I, that, that to me is, that, that's what it is. You think of power and like an engine from Detroit. That's, that's what's resonating for me. And then ladies has such a feminine reaction when I think about it. I also went to a college where that was our mascot. The ladies? Yeah, we were the lords and ladies. Where did you go? Kenyon College. Where is that? Middle of nowhere, Ohio. And like literally in the middle of cornfields. And it's this amazing place. And you pop up and it's like Hogwarts. (laughs) Um, And actually, it's funny. This is actually kind of side topic, but maybe it's, it's relevant is that they're making a push to change it too oh. because they 
feel that it, it in some ways may not be appropriate. I don't know if it's like because they think it's disparaging or, or what the case may be. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but I just heard that last week. It was at South by Southwest from another Kenyan alum. But anyway, side sidetrack. I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think ladies is disparaging in any stretch of the imagination. I think it's. Of, I think it is a powerful world. I mean, I'm. I'm proud to be a lady. And when I hear them together, it's like, that's a cool club I want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at your trajectory in life, who have been powerful ladies or powerful humans that have really been part of your support circle or mentorship circle along the way? I feel so lucky because I have so many mentors and most don't have any idea they're my mentors. Um, <laughs> I, I, an amazing mom who was badass and did a lot of really cool things um, in her career. I, I, I love my small business community here in Detroit. I'm a big advocate for everybody and I know they are for me and that to me is like that's who I look up to because I also know how hard this is. And I have so much respect for the, for those just keep going. So every day make a make a decision to just especially after these past shit show of a so what are we on? Year three? Who knows anymore? Yeah. <laughs> I mean and and so I you know it's like to pinpoint one specific person. Yes, there's a woman Cindy Paskey who I just think the world of. She's the CEO and founder of Strategic Staffing Solutions, and to me, she is the epitome of a successful businesswoman. Not only because her business is badass and she's incredible for doing it in a space that very few women do it, but her commitment to the community is unreal and she does it in such a silent way that i just have so much respect for so i want to be her someday love that um i was so inspired by um the book you put out of all the other women small businesses oh, thank you and um because we've we've done that with powerful ladies because it's connected to the business coaching that i do and it reminded me that exactly what I just said to someone. And I find this so fascinating that so often the coaching I give someone, I actually need to hear back myself. Cause I was like, no, like it can be so overwhelming at times as an entrepreneur. And I've been joking lately that sometimes I curse myself for calling this powerful ladies because then I have to be powerful more often than I sometimes want to be. And, you know, it can be overwhelming because I'm, I get overwhelmed when I forget that there are other women standing next to me on the same mission. Yes. And seeing your book reminded me like, oh no, if like every city does this, it's so much easier to put together this network. And if everyone's talking about this, we just need to talk to each other. <laughs> like, duh. Um, how... How, what has surprised you about going from the corporate sports world into the small business space? What surprised you and what's delighted you? Um, I think how much you work on it. And I would, I am a workaholic. I, I love working. I really do. And I work insane hours in sports. I think that pales in comparison to what you work as, as an entrepreneur. I always tell people like, 
I always find it laughable when people say they're going to start their own business because they want more free time. I'm like, stick, stay, stay where you are. Ask your boss for a few more days off. If I were you, like, that is not why you don't, you do not, don't, don't even, don't even try. If that's why you're doing it, you'll be crushed. Um, but um, I think, I think the amount of time probably. Um, and what was the other part of that question you gave me? What's delighted you? I, I love, I love running a company. I really yeah. love it. I love, I love seeing my team members succeed. Even the ones that leave us like for better jobs. Like there's, I have such a pride about it because they're going on to something that, you know, we were part of that step. Um, I love that I get to be creative and make big decisions and take the risks. I don't have to check with anybody like that. I love that. You know, we ask everyone on the podcast where they put themselves on the powerful lady scale, zero being average everyday human and 10 being the most powerful lady you can imagine. Where would you put yourself on that scale today and on average? I think I'd probably put myself on at a five. I'm pretty good there. Like uh, today is a a good day. You know, (laughs) it's, it's such a roller coaster ride. As my business partner and I were talking yesterday, you know, we when one of us is down, the other like we have a good we're very supportive of each other. But it is I mean, you can go yesterday was a perfect example. It's like I all right, it was a good run. Let's shut her down, <laughs> lock up the doors, turn out the lights. Like I think I had that process that thought process legitimately twice yesterday. And then you end the day because something great happened, you're like, ah, we're back in it. And that's just how it is every single day. So I say like five is, and, and I think over time, not nine years, that you learn to take the ebbs and flows a mm-hmm. little bit better. But yeah. it's still, it's still my fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the, I think one of my favorite responses to this question, and we've asked literally everyone who's been on the show, Someone said, um, I think I'm all the numbers in one. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> accurate. Accurate. hundred percent. So I'm like a five is a solid place to land because it's, it's evening out just yeah. where you are. I mean, if zero, what you put that as the average, I mean, you go way below average. <laughs> well, I was just saying average everyday human, assuming powerful ladies can't even like get into that zone. Right. But where you go in your head, I mean, like, you oh, go to like, yeah. what? who, who let me do this? So uh, yeah, I think that person is right. Well, and clients will apologize all the time when we're having a private session about crying. And I'm like, no, like business is no different than any part of our lives. It's better to cry with me in a private session about what you're going through than to bring it somewhere else. Like it means it's real. It means you care. Um, it's, you know, would I ever dare cry in a corporate environment? Like, no, I would have been no. horrified. But in a one-on-one session, when you're really getting into like all the things that are happening in your business, like it's, it's okay because yeah, that's, it's we need real. it. Mm-hmm. I cry all the time, yeah. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's an outlet for me. I realized too, like, but it's a, I think it's, there's something healing about it. Yeah. Well, I, I had a team call yesterday and I had to, be responsible for an impact I made to a team member that I didn't realize I made. 
and they were sharing super authentically than I was. And then literally within five minutes, everyone on the call was teary-eyed and crying, being like, this is a great team. We love each other. And I'm like, oh, like, what? This is this is the most ridiculous and awesome team call we've ever had. Thank you guys. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. It, it really is. Well, it's it's to your point of like how you run your business, you care. You know, you're mm-hmm. a heart-led entrepreneur. And you know, you mentioned like business is so much messier because there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's not a thing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But, and you've, but you've talked, right? Like you, sometimes kids are showing up with your employees. Sometimes, you know, things break and fall apart and everyone has to move and shift. And, um, as much as we want to plan for something, like I, I tell my team, we're going to plan as much as we are capable of planning now, knowing that we're going to need to leave at least 20%, if not more for whatever actually shows up. Like no idea. Nope. But guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a guarantee. I was telling someone like one of my favorite quotes is from an outcast song. Where it's like, you know, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. That's yeah. just, that's so true. It's totally true. So when you, so you've started this company, you're providing opportunities for these women. What are these, what's the ripple effect that you've seen? Like, what are these women doing that you're like, wow, like we created a space where that could be possible for them. Buying homes, getting cars. Um, I think where I'm most proud is getting Tackling a lot of barriers that have been prohibitive in the past just because they haven't had the time or mental Mm -hmm. space. When you are raised in and grow up in and live in a survival everyday mentality, and again, you're in a system that does not support you whatsoever, to give them the mental space to breathe and, and then to see that the good thing that happened it's easy to highlight the good things. It's mm-hmm. just like business. Life is a roller coaster and it's tough. And we've been you know, to hell and back with so many of our participants. Um, but when you have those moments where someone signs and gets the keys or we get a driver's license cleared up so they can then work on their credit score and then we help mm-hmm. them get a car or we place them in a job that has better pay, better benefits because we've been able to show that they can hold a job for longer than a year. And that is something they were unable to do, but the work at Rebel Now, they are, and now that adds to their employability. Um, so there's been, there's been a lot of really good moments. And I think I appreciate that question because causing me to reflect and be grateful for them because you know that there's always, it's never enough where um, you're constantly thinking of, you know, we brought on 34, could we have done 54, you know. Yeah. Someday, right? Someday. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I've been watching uh, lately the, uh, on Apple TV, the, uh, the problem with Jon Stewart. Okay. And if you haven't seen it yet, but I really recommend it because he's kind of peeking under the curtain at some structures we have. Like the first one is about veterans and how we actually don't take care of our veterans. And it just kept going from there. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I, the more that I continue to 
learn and unlearn about what's actually going on for the people who I want to make sure we're taken care of and I would hope we would be taken care of as a society, um, I become more and more alarmed. Um, you know, especially a lot of people have been watching the help on Netflix and seeing like just the struggle of like, oh, you want daycare? You need a job. You need pay stubs. And you're like, but what? How like how do you do this? It's like it always makes me think of when you move abroad and they're like, okay, I want an apartment. Great. Do you have a bank account? Uh, no, I'll go get one. You go to the bank and like, oh, you need an apartment to have a bank account. And you're like, wait, what? Like, mm-hmm. how, how did I find the black hole that doesn't let anything connect? And I don't think we realize how many um, people are struggling because of a structural black hole and not yeah. because of anything else. Nothing. Like literally it has nothing to do with them. It's that situation that they're in. My biggest frustration when I, I talk about all the time is healthcare. Yeah. Oh my God. The challenges with, especially with your the goal, your mindset is to try and break through, get out of poverty. We've experienced this so many times at Rebel Now where we go to give our employees a raise. And because of that, it is... It is a small dollar amount raise. Mm-hmm. It is not enough to change anything significant in their life. But we want to give them as much money as we can afford. We value them. We value our employees. However, when we do, they get completely eliminated from the government healthcare system. You, that is such a gap. Like, mm-hmm. why can't it be? Why isn't why isn't the system meant to incentivize you? And I think that's yeah. where the struggle is, where it's like, okay, you get a good job, maybe you get a, a little bit more raise, then your government support should just go down a little bit, right? So that there's it, it's encouraging you to go up, not just yeah. like constantly keeping you in. For me, it's just as we've seen time and time again, it's it's like whack-a-mole. Like just when they yeah. get an opportunity to breathe and start for something else comes in, or it's constantly like trying to help and usher in the right ways that we can, but there's a lot of things that are out of our control as well. Mm-hmm. We had, we just had a, um, on international women's day, we had a panel of women who all are fighting for different things to kind of, to support women. There's, um, one woman who is really big in, in reproductive rights. And she has a, uh, she's a doctor and she's has a male, uh, uh sorry, birth control delivery business where, you know, you can get what you need. And then there's the other women who are really fighting for environmental issues. Another woman's fighting for voter right issues. And again, it makes me sleep better at night knowing that there are women fighting in these different areas because I start having a panic attack about like, okay, I need to quit my job because I need to spend all of my time, even in my local city hall being like, hello. Right. <laughs> um, I even looked at like running for mayor. Did you really? Yeah, because it was it was coming up. I'm like, let's just see. Like, I don't know who these people are that do it all the time. Town council, like, who are they? No different than we are. I'm like, let's look. And oh my gosh, they're like, yeah, you can sure if you want to be mayor. It's like nine hundred and fifty dollars a month. It's part time work. I go, I'm sorry, nine hundred fifty dollars a month. What? Who? Who? Who can do that? Thank you. Unless you're independently wealthy. Who can only exactly can get 20 hours a week? And you know, it's more than that. You know, it's more to, to do this. And I'm like, this is insanity. Like, 
there's there's no logic behind making it competitive or interesting. And I think that's the part that drives me crazy being in the of like efficiency optimization space. It's like they're like this is dumb and that's my trigger. I'm like this is dumb, we can fix this. Yeah. And you know, I I think it's I keep being pulled towards helping more women directly who need it as you are because like I I said this on on an uh, a live event we did. I'm like if someone needs a place to stay tonight, just show up. Like show up. If you know if you know where I live, if you know someone who needs it, just show up because as you know, like one night somewhere can change everything. Yep. Like one person saying like you know it's like it doesn't it takes so little to allow people to have their confidence and dignity and like keep going on the path that they actually want to be on. And I, I'm just really mad at whomever started dialogue that is anything in contrast to that. So for everyone who is uh, hells yes to supporting you and Rebel Nell, where can they find you, support you, follow you? How can they get involved and uh, allow you guys to get to hiring 52 people? Yay, thank you. Uh, the best way is to visit rebelnell.com. That's R-E-B-E-L-N-E-L-L.com. Or um, on Instagram is at rebelnell. Facebook is at Rebel Detroit. And spreading the word, that's like our best revenue generator is people sharing about our story, liking us and telling their friends about us. I'm very grateful because without our customers, we don't have anything. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being proactive and reaching out to us and being a yes to me and this audience and powerful ladies. And truly, thank you for the work you're doing. Like, I hope you um, take it take time out of your schedule to really acknowledge yourself and how much of an impact you are making. And um, yeah, just thank you for the hard work that you're doing. And thank you to the idiots in baseball who <laughs> caused you to realize how powerful you could be somewhere else. Thank you. It was an honor. Really, it was. Thank you. Thank you. All the links to connect with Amy and Rebel Yell are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. They're critical for podcast visibility and for our guests' stories to be heard. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, please visit caraduffy.com or Kara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and a new amazing guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. Yeah.